Welcome to the We Are PPS podcast, where we sit down to talk with the staff, students, and community members working to make Pittsburgh Public Schools one of America's premier school districts, student-focused, well-managed, and innovative. Today, we're sitting down and speaking with our Chief Technology Officer, Mark Stuckey. How are you doing, Mark? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're so glad to have you here. So one thing we like to do before we get to the nitty-gritty of, like, PPS work is kind of have you tell us a little bit about your journey to PPS. Like, what brought you here? What's your relationship to Pittsburgh Public Schools? And how did you move on to become the Chief Technology Officer? Well, thank you. That's a, a long story, but I'll, I'll shorten it a bit. So we have time. <laughs> actually, my journey started in elementary school. So I am a product of PPS. I went to Liberty Elementary School. Uh, I went to Frick ISA, which is now SciTech for middle school. And I went to the prestigious Shinley Spartan High School. So my journey started then. Um, and now that I'm here back at Pittsburgh Public Schools, um, I couldn't be more excited because I didn't originally know I was gonna come back to Pittsburgh Public Schools as a career. I went into technology um, because that was the cool thing to do back then. And everyone said, go into computers, go into computers. So I listened and, and I did. And lo and behold, I went into education and I was with the intermediate unit uh, for 11 years uh, before coming to Pittsburgh Public as a director of information technology. Um, and then during the pandemic, I was uh, crazy enough to step up and take the chief technology officer position. Yeah, that, that, wow, that's a great story. And that actually was a bold time to take on that role. Um, if you think about it, you know, t t current technology and applications have always been a priority to have um, an access to for students, but nothing put the spotlight on the need of the importance of technology than the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, when schools closed yes. in 2020. How has your team's approach to technology been informed by the lessons learned during the pandemic? Well, there's hundreds of lessons, but one of the ones that sticks out to me the most is learning the ebb and flow of schools and actually dealing with devices not working and quickly turning those around. Because as you mentioned, we used to only have to deal with roughly 3,000 devices. So with the amount of staff we had, that was very attainable in a very timely fashion because the percentage of breaks were very low. But when you increase that to 23,000 overnight, uh, we really had to learn a lot and figure out the best way. So one of the main ways we did originally was instead of us going to each location to fix and repair devices, we had the devices come to us. So we had to pivot quickly. So now that we know that, going into this next school year, we've actually added device lockers. Um, and the device lockers basically will put computers at each school readily ava available instantly. Oh, that's wonderful. And so, um, yeah, so that back to, you picked on a good point. Devices sometimes don't work. Um, and you did, we talked about the process. Can you tell us a little bit more though how those device lockers work, like how would students Absolutely. Use so one of the things we learned is roughly around 20% of the devices, either there's an issue or they have a problem, need repair at a time. 
So knowing that information from last year, we actually set up every school with a 20% allocation after school in the device lockers that keep them secure. Um, they can put it, they'll be able to put in a code to retrieve the device. They'll be able to take the broken device and put it in the main office. So to actually help just keep the flow of school going. So they won't have to wait anymore for us to send the device to the school. They'll be able to get it instantaneously uh, throughout the school year. And it'll help them not only have those devices during school, but actually when they need them at home, they'll be able to constantly have that device working. And I mean, when people think one-to-one -one and you made the good, you've said the point that now we had to have 23,000 devices, but really what kind of inventory does it take for a school district our size to actually maintain a one-to-one? -one? So to maintain it, if you know you have roughly 19,000 students and you know, you, and now we know you need at least a 20% buffer to that, and then you have roughly 3,000 staff and you put a 20% buffer to that, you basically want to put a, at least a 20% buffer on that and add warranties. So a big thing we focused on was making sure we had warranties on the devices, knowing accidents would happen, knowing breakage would happen, that we could constantly get these devices repaired for, our, for four years. So we invested in that warranty and we invested in those computers to know that they were going to last at least four years for our students. Now the district, like school districts across the country, have um, benefited from funding per through ESSER, um, ESSER funding. How is tech, how, how is technology being supported? Like, how are you your team using the ESSER funding to support technology in schools? So it put us in a great position because prior to the ESSER funding, we actually didn't have funding to really go one to one. We were scrambling to do that originally, but once the ESSER funding came in, it allowed us to get and fill every gap we had where we didn't have devices. Because initially we had maybe a one a third ratio to devices before the pandemic hit. So we were able to get the two thir other two thirds with the ESSER funds. Um, they gave us a $400 allotment per device because I know a lot of people ask and are, are wondering why these types of devices and why not um, higher uh, capacity. We were limited to the price we could get each device for, so we did the best we could so it would be equitable across the district. And also it takes obviously more than just having the devices, having the infrastructure. And I know you've spoken a little bit about some of the work your team has done around that. Can you share that with parents and families? Like what are we doing in terms of ha putting in place an infrastructure to support the technology? Certainly. So if you have, if you were able to succeed at getting one-to-one -one, so every student had a device, well, what's that mean in our schools? That means there's going to be all those devices hitting our wireless infrastructure. So knowing that we were supporting a one-to-one, -one, we knew we had to upgrade our wireless infrastructure so to be able to uh, maintain and be able to have the capacity to have that many students on the wireless all at once. So we were fortunate enough to also use ESSER funds to upgrade our wireless so not only the device can work, but then they can all get onto the internet. Okay, and um, what securities are in place so to protect students while they are on using their devices online and, and student information? Right, so we take security very seriously as we should. Unfortunately, um, hackers have been focusing on education in schools during the pandemic. It may be because they know we got the ESSER funds, so they've been attacking heavily like they've never done in the past. 
Um, we have encryption, we have multiple authentication, and we segment our network. Uh, but I really don't go into too much detail of what we have protected because they technically right. could be listened to me now. So, yeah, but we have definitely put but a just like, huge no, focus. No, we have it. Yes. Right. Oh, yes, we have it. <laughs> I mean, yes, yeah, students and parents may wonder why certain websites are blocked. And, you know, some are obvious why they would be, but uh, you wouldn't think some would be a problem. So why is that? Like, why do we have certain? So the way blocking works is there's a certain categories that you check off to be blocked. And some sites that actually are okay sometimes get sucked into that because of the way it's named, because of something is searching that site and is flagging it as potentially uh, inappropriate or malware, so it'll be blocked immediately uh, from our filtering system. And um, what's the deal with chargers? Uh, maybe parents and families can let us know and, you know, <laughs> why can't we keep up with the chargers? <laughs> yeah, that's, I will say I'm, I'm glad that we were getting much better with actually with the devices, the laptops, but um, yes, the chargers have, have been going out of the door and just being lost. Um, I've even had people over the summer said, hey, Mark, I actually found my charger. Can I bring it back? And I'm like, please do. Yes, we need those chargers back. So it, it's seeming like they're, they're not really lost, per se. They're just somewhere in the house um, or in the car. Um, that's just easier to misplace that than the computer. So we sort of learned that. That was sort of a funny statistic that that increased uh, more than devices, which I'm happy about. But... Now we just gotta get better with the chargers. Yeah, so just a tip, if we can just um, get uh, those, put your charger in the little zipper part of your backpack or something somewhere that you know you can remember that it's always gonna be there. Um, that's kind of how I have to arrange stuff. I have to have a place for them, you know, in my bag, so. And if I may say, knowing the charger dilemma, um, we've invested in charging carts at the schools now as well. Mm -hmm. So we sort of are, are trying to be proactive at the same time, learning from lessons. So now that we know people are forgetting their chargers or losing it, uh, we've invested in charging carts that are mobile and can be moved around to classrooms or wherever it's needed. Oh, that's great. Great. That's good to hear. So we also, we like to take time, like I said, to also get to know a little bit about you. So um, what is your favorite part about back to school time? Like, is that time we're excited? So for me, my team does an amazing amount of work over the summer. So a lot of people look at schools, oh, they're closed. Like, what do you do during the summer? That's some of our most busiest times because we're actually getting ready. So for me, it's when the doors actually open and the students come in and start using, I sort of take a step back to look at all the work my team has put in to see it unfold with them opening their laptops, with them going possibly in the device lockers, using the charging carts. That's my favorite part, to really see all the work we put in for technology and seeing the students use it. Oh, yeah, that's that's great. Um, did you do anything fun over the summer break? I was able to get a week, um, and I actually went on a cruise. Oh, okay. um, yes, I actually went on a cruise right before the pandemic hit. Um, and not that the pandemic is over, but I, I recently went on a cruise. Um, and there were a lot of students on there, not necessarily from Pittsburgh Public, but there were a lot of, lot of students on there getting their last minute vacation in before the school starts. Well, that's good. I hope that makes you good and ready for the start of school. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. And we'll be back with another guest to talk more about what we're doing here in Pittsburgh Public Schools to make it the perfect place for students.